0: RAC'S Post Podcast is brought to you with the compliments of the Royal Australasian College of Surgeons and leading financial services organization, the Bongiorno National Network, the preferred choice for medical professionals across Australia. In January this year, the Pacific Nation of Tonga was devastated by the eruption of a submarine volcano of Hunga Tonga Hunga Haapai, which triggered a tsunami that destroyed scores of homes on Tonga's Islands. Thick ash contaminated water supplies and cut off communication. A significant contributor to the recovery effort has been the Pacifica Medical Association. For many years now, the PMA has worked closely with governments and communities to meet the health needs of Pacifica people across the region. The PMA helps boost the workforce of Pacifica healthcare professionals and to increase the number of Pacific people in leadership roles. It also provides disaster support for Pacific countries and helps with the COVID response, both within Pacific countries and Pacifica communities in Aotearoa, New Zealand. The current president of the PMA is Dr Kiki Mauwate, an Aotearoa, New Zealand-based paediatric surgeon and urologist who was born in the Cook Islands and is the son of the late Cook Islands Prime Minister, Sir Terapai Mauwate. Besides his surgical practice, his research and his work with the PMA, Dr Mauwate plays an advisory role to the Ministry of Health on Pacific Island Issues, is the Clinical Director of the Pacific Island Program and is Associate Dean, Pacific Health, at the University of Otago in Christchurch. In 2014, he was awarded an Officer of the New Zealand Order of Merit for his dedication and commitment to Pacific Health. Dr Kiki Maawate explains to Jeff Waters the PMA's purpose and its key areas of focus.
1: The association was born about 25 years ago out of a thought for our Pacific medical people who didn't have a home, particularly in New Zealand, to come together to mix and mingle and to help each other. And over the years, it's slowly grown to become what is now called the Pacific Medical Association Group. So um, that's now a combination of five different companies under the umbrella of the parent company that actually looks at a broad range of activities, both in New Zealand, now starting in Australia, but quite a lot in the Pacific region.
2: So is it based around the Pacific or just in Australia and New Zealand as a support base for island doctors?
1: It's certainly the, the home of the Medical Association is in New Zealand, but our reach and our membership is across the Pacific countries and also into Australia. The initial purpose when we started out was around bringing our health professionals together. And it's always been more than the doctors. The, the Medical Association word seems to imply is just doctors, but in fact, we host all health professionals within the organisation about 10 years ago, we moved towards a strategy to say, how can we make our families prosperous through our organisation, both in the social sector as well as in the health sector? And now we've moved into a different sort of purpose, not different in a way that it's actually detracts us from helping up our Pacific people, but in purpose that we actually are more focused, particularly around our children, their growth, their travel, and what it looks like for them as they journey through their professional lives, as well as the engagement within our societies. I mean, clearly, at the end of the day, we want our people to contribute, as we all do, to the whole of country. And so this is not just about the Pacific world. This is about how we improve the balance so that our people are contributors to the economy more so than a lot of what we are contributing now. We know that our average income is much lower, our socioeconomic status is much lower. So we want to develop a whole lot of programs that will help our families become well and be in the workforce and grow.
2: We'll get onto some specifics about COVID and natural disasters in a moment, but what would you describe as the Medical Association's main achievement so far?
1: The most important achievement we've had is our ability to be quite responsive to activities of either natural disasters that happens in the region natural disasters that happen in the country. We have a, a medical assistance team that has been credentialed by WHO, as we speak, to be like OSMAT or like NZMAT and be part of that process. We also, in the last six years, have a program in New Zealand funded by the government that looks at our families throughout the country. And so that program has been highly successful in reaching to the families, in changing the course of a lot of the families' lives, not only from a health planning perspective, but financial literacy, people buying their own homes, people setting up businesses, with support to a particular group that probably do not have the leverage that most of us would have. And we have an evaluation process that provides us with our outcome data a uh, process that we report to the government and the relevant uh, ministers who keep encouraging us to go down this pathway, and we think it's a highly successful program, particularly when we're looking at our, our whole family as opposed to the health component, the social welfare component or the education component, but packaging it all together. And I have no doubt that this is going to be the way we will continue for probably some years to come yet.
2: While we're on natural disasters, one of the most Potent volcanic eruptions in decades exploded on the fifteenth of January this year, twenty twenty-two, from the small uninhabited island of Hunga Tonga-Hunga Ha'apai. How did the PMA respond to that natural disaster?
1: That one in particular, our response is to see what Tonga actually wants and. Our response in this particular aspect wasn't about the first responders. It was about looking at the psychosocial elements and support that we could actually provide the country. And we actually deployed two teams over a month each to Tonga to help with the training, to help with the management, and to have ongoing relationships that even though the team have come back, that continues to actually occur in Tonga. And I suspect there'll be ongoing processes that we have with them to help in the area of mental health across Tonga and across the region. In fact, the the Minister Puikala and Lord Tangi was just at our PMA conference talking about this and and acknowledging the work in Tonga. And so we're pleased that they're happy with what we've done, but we're also pleased to offer them other opportunities into the future. So that's one component. We can, as PMA group, uh, also respond to specific specialty visits if we were needed to do so, and I'm talking about whether it's ICU support, emergency support, emergency departments, pediatrics, anaesthetists, all those other things that even our college also provides. But we are probably more nimble and more mobile and don't rely on external funds to actually move this process. With Tonga itself, PMA actually has a relationship whereby we can actually move without needing approval as the understanding between PMA and the Tongan government allows us to, a phone call between the relevant people and we move and we can deploy any time that they require us to. And and Tonga is not the only country that we've responded like this. Cyclone Pam, there's there's several other natural disasters that we're quite comfortable deploying. And specifically in Tonga, we're deploying Tongans who can speak the language, who know their people, uh, who are comfortable with dealing with the issues in Tonga. And so that's the other added bonus that we have as an organisation.
2: You advocated for Pacifica families to have priority for COVID-19 vaccination. Why was that and what did the PMA do to help?
1: Firstly, our families were scared. Our families didn't understand the language. Our family don't uh, really have the health literacy to understand that the ability of the virus to spread is actually quite uh, high the families probably didn't quite understand that they needed to isolate and, and what avenues were available to do that. So some families of 16, say for example, we do have families of 16, would uh, have an infected member and then how do you isolate one from family of 16? So there's no support. So the families weren't going to come and say we're infected because how can they then move a family of 16 or even a family of 12, let alone uh, 16, into housing they don't have? So we understand that from a Pacific perspective about these families, because the average family size throughout New Zealand is about six with the variations. And so we could see this. We also could see that the families were worried about how they could actually contribute. But to send in the police, say, for example, which was going to happen, to send in the police to close down the movement of people as part of the COVID response to reduce the elimination process that we're going through would have been completely flawed. And so we moved in to say, actually, we understand our people, and it is our people. The Pacific wave, it was through the Pacific wave in the first hit that we needed to move rapidly. And our team in Auckland have done a fantastic job because that's where the initial hit was, to actually go and meet with the families, explain to the families, and not just that, but provide the support, food, clothing, accommodation to enable the separation to occur, to enable peoples to be separated into motels, into housing, with the funding support that we have to enable that to happen. So government could see that we were more nimble than sending in a whole lot of the entities like police and allow us to move and showcase that we can actually pay attention to our families and our families do respond.
2: Were you happy with the outcome?
1: I was very happy with the outcome. I thought our families, once they understood, responded very well to the COVID response, to the messaging, to the language translations, uh, to the support that was provided and to make it as easy as possible with some families needing four weeks' support and not having to feel like they were impinging on the system and looked upon as they, you know, why couldn't they cope? And encouraging the families to come back and forth and, and actually take up the resources and utilize what we we're offering to them. So I was very pleased with the Pacific response, particularly from the families and also our providers across the country with, uh, with the Pacific providers putting all the time and the energy to get the vaccination up as much as the other work that's needed to be done.
2: What do you see for the future of the Pacifica Medical Association and the future of health care for Pacific people in New Zealand and throughout the region?
1: Look, I think the most important thing is that we give our Pacific people the opportunity to understand what it is about health, what it is about education, what is about financial literacy with the end point that they can actually make their own decision and also make them become wealthy, wealthy in knowledge, wealthy in resources, so that they can actually determine what it is they need to do. We know that the poverty gap is what drives most of the health inequities. And so from my perspective, or from the PMA perspective, I think it's simply trying to help our families with an end point to make our families think about wealth wealth and everything that you can think of to help them navigate, you know, what is a complex world these days, but also a wealth to enable them to what I was talking about before, they then become as normal as everybody else, as opposed to being the unwanted child in the corner, who are causing the the heavy burden on the system. And our role in not just the final order program that I sort of mentioned to you about paying attention to the families, but also the educational programs to grow our pipelines, particularly for the health professionals. Uh, which we have running now, attention to universities as we build up our capacity in uh, research and development. And, you know, we now have the ability to do that. We're now a big organisation, more sustainable, that we can resource it adequately. We're just about to set up a Pacific Mental Health Commission, which will be for New Zealand, the region, and possibly Australia, to look at how what that looks like will be determined by the members of that board, and by what the community wants to
0: do. Dr. Kiki Malwate. RAC's Post-Op Podcast is brought to you with the compliments of the Royal Australasian College of Surgeons and leading financial services organisation, the Bongiorno National Network, the preferred choice for medical professionals across Australia. You can reach the Bongiorno National Network on plus 613 9863 3111.